listen, same vision is for equal rights and justice for the people, them. What's happening to this beautiful world that we're living in? World citizen, lift up your voices. Welcome to another episode of the People Powered Planet Podcast, where each week we have extraordinary guests who are focused not just on all the terrible problems of the world, but what are the solutions, solutionaries who, uh, uh, who hold some of the keys to making life on earth better. And today we have a, a super special guest. He's a, uh, uh, not only a filmmaker, but he's done much more than that. He's made a number of films, uh, The Back Nine, The Highest Pass, The Milky Way, which is not about the stars in the sky. It's about the stars that are the wonderful women among us who are, 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 are nursing babies. Uh, Warrior One, Dance, with, Dance of Liberation, uh, some terrific films. Uh, and when one of his films did not get into Sundance, like many other filmmakers just grumble, but what did he do? <laughs> he went ahead and started, co-started another film festival right there in the same place as Sundance, Slamdance, uh, to help some of these indie, indie indies uh, get into the film circuit. Um, he's also then went on to launch numerous other film festivals and advise many in the Bahamas, Lone Star, Santa Barbara, Ab Abu Dhabi, et cetera, uh, <laughs> Naples, Hollywood. And he also uh, uh, has created several uh, sites for filmmakers and consults with filmmakers. He's got Cause Pictures and Cause Cinema. Uh, and he has uh, several fabulous books. Uh, one is called Habits of Heroes. Now, we've all heard various heroes, but here's the Habits of Heroes, 100 movies that can change your life. Uh, and he also has uh, an extraordinary book that we're going to be focusing on even more today, which is called Filmmaking for Change making films that transform the world. Well, that's what we're all about here at the People Powered Planet podcast uh, uh, with our film, uh, The World is My Country, but also with the wonderful filmmakers we've interviewed. Some of you may have gotten to hear, for instance, Nicholas Meyer, who did the ABC TV special The Day After, uh, and a number of the uh, of the, the Star Trek series he directed, and the day after literally saved the world. Uh, Ronald Reagan credits in it, it in, his, uh, uh, in his memoirs as being the thing that convinced him that his generals were wrong when they were egging him on to fight and win a nuclear war. That actually would be disastrous. And he went on to make major reductions in the US arms and, uh, and negotiate arms treaties with the Soviet, with the Soviet, then Soviet Union. Uh, all as a result of a movie. So movies can indeed change the world. So welcome, John. Uh, we're so glad to have you uh, here as to talk about films that transform the world. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for welcoming me onto your show. <laughs> Great. Well, let's just start out with uh, here. You here you get this rejection from from Sundance. What caused you to take action on that? <laughs> Uh, it's it's a funny story, uh, as you can imagine. I've I've told it over the years. I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the the short version. But uh, basically, I met two other filmmakers at the independent feature film market in New York, which at the time was the spot to to bring your independent film buyers, acquisitions executives, and you know over a hundred filmmakers uh, descend on the Angelica in New York. And uh, we were all talking about how we were waiting for the Sundance news. And uh, we, and then at the end of that event, we all got the news in, in you know, various forms. Um, and it started with a phone call from, from 
Dan Mervis saying, you know, we're going to have a screw Sundance party. <laughs> and then, and, and then uh, Jane, who was the other co-founder said, well, I went to school at the university of Utah. Why don't we just go up there and show our own movies? So that's where it started. And, and of course I said, I'm in. And uh, the three of us kind of rallied, rallied an event in, in, in less than two months. And the office was in my kitchen and uh, Dan wrote a press release and, um, yeah, we went into Park City and, and we started at the South um, in, in in Salt Lake City. But because we weren't getting a huge turnout from people coming down the hill, we decided literally to go into Park City. And uh, we had something like, I don't know, 20 people staying in the same condo, directors and producers. <laughs> and uh, we were down the hall from Sundance at Prospector Square. So people would get turned away from Sundance screenings and we let them come into our room. We were running our own projectors and it was, it became like a little bit of a Cinderella story that none of us really expected. And it, like I said, the office is in my house. So after the festival, people were calling saying, Hey, you guys going to go back next year. And uh, the other two guys kind of went off to do their own thing. And I became the executive director and kept it going for two years. So that's, that's the short version and it's still going. Uh, they, I think they celebrated what, 25 years uh, a few years ago so it's still going strong well that's fantastic we've been to slam dance and of course attended sundance we were also rejected like you but we uh we're very impressed with uh with slam dance and you went on to uh uh, to actually become the executive director of one of the most prestigious film festivals in the world, the American, the AFI Film Festival, a big deal. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that was fun because, uh, you know, with Slamdance, I wasn't earning much of much of a, of, of a salary, as you can imagine. And uh, it was time for me to have a, a real job, so to speak. And when AFI offered me the position. Um, I met with Jean Furstenberg uh, at the time she was a CEO of AFI. And and it was it was a great opportunity for me to come into, obviously, as you just said, a, a, an established brand, a familiar face in the in the film community, but really get a chance to to breathe new life into this event because it frankly had been uh, run for the same you know, by the same people who are getting up in their years and they weren't necessarily up with what was happening in the now. And I was fairly young. It was 28, 29 at the time. And uh, they didn't have an American independence section. They didn't have competitive sections for the films. They didn't have a board. Um, I was able to bring in the DGA and SAG and and the WGA and and bring in some studio execs and agents and and just really kind of they gave me a, a a a blank canvas, if you will, and so it was a it was a lot of fun for me. I did that for three years, and uh, we supported a ton of filmmakers, from you know the Russo brothers to you know many other Oscar winners, and especially in the foreign language category. And it was it was it was a wonderful wonderful period for me. Wow, <laughs> that's fabulous. Well, you know, uh, early in your book, you you quote William Goldman, who's famously said, "If you want to send a message, call Western Union." But in reality, uh, isn't every film a message film? I mean, some are the message consume, consume. Some are crime is really fun. Some are the message, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, do destructive things, whatever. And some of them are are positive causes. Would you say that every film has a message? 
I guess every film has a message of some kind. I I think that the the distinction for me is, um, at least before we dive into the social impact category, is that you know some films actually have a really strong premise that that they're they're trying to make a point, um, whereas others are are simply trying to tell a story, and and do it with colorful characters, and so. You know, having having a mission, having a movement, uh, making a statement. There, there's 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 varying degrees, right? But since we we're dancing around a campfire thousands of years ago, just storytelling is storytelling, and you're 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 trying to share something, whether it's a message or a movement or a point of view. Right. Well, now, of course, in your book, reading your book was like taking a, a, a taking a joyride through all the wonderful movies that I've seen over the years and uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, amazing experiences. But among the uh, movies you've mentioned uh, as kind of kind of big in starting the cause pictures thing, of course, uh, Inconvenient Truth, you've mentioned uh, Precious. Uh, what are some of the, of course, Morgan Spurlock's work and uh, uh, Michael Moore, tell us a little more about what do you see as some of the main uh, uh, cause-driven movies and uh, how you think, think those have reshaped cinema. Well, I, I think, as you mentioned, I think An Inconvenient Truth was really the, 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 the spark, if you will, that really kind of triggered everything for me. And, 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 and as you mentioned, I, I'd been working with so many festivals over the years that I I, I was watching literally hundreds of movies a year, if not thousands, and I started to gravitate more towards this this social impact space films that had something to say. And and as you said, um, you know maybe every film has a, a has a message or a premise or a point of view. But I started gravitating towards this social impact space, and and I feel like you know time is precious. If I'm gonna spend the time. Sure, we want to escape, and Star Wars is awesome. But you know, if I'm going to spend time in front of a screen, I'd rather get something out of it. And I, I think you know, one of the other big triggers for me, in a positive way, which which helped to kind of lead me to this this filmmaking for change book, was The Cove, um, and and The Cove, also released by Participant Media. Um, was was amazing to me not just because it was a great movie but the way they managed to take a really important issue of this dolphin slaughter and and create a documentary but with a structure that was much more of a of a, what I would call a narrative structure and 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 essentially create a thriller they create a thriller with a documentary and that was kind of mind blowing to me, and and so I started doing a deeper dive into kind of analyzing documentaries and and seeing which of these are really making a difference. And in fact, some weren't documentaries; some were 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 narratives. You know, you can go back to how green was my valley to Schindler's List and Norma Ray. I mean, there's plenty of of social impact narratives, but but for documentaries to man to manage to to kind of overcome the stigma of you know preachy talking heads educational movies you know documentaries have gone through a period of huge i would even say explosive growth they're the hottest category in most festivals now 
Uh, Netflix certainly helped to pave the way and expand the audience for documentary. People are watching documentaries that never used to watch documentaries. So it's it's been a really exciting ride. And, and filmmaking for change just happened to come right on the cusp of of all that growth. And I just, I had the the fortune of being on a panel with Michael Weesey, who, you know, you know, the MWP on the spine of all those movie books. And I said, hey, you, why don't you have a book on social impact movies? And, and, and so that's what kind of prompted me to, to pitch the idea and ultimately do the book. Well, I, I love the book because it really does, uh, uh, it really does cover the whole field in such a beautiful way. I mean, I would recommend it to every every prospective filmmaker and every person who's who's interested in causes and wants to know how to have a better impact in making uh, their films. And, you know, for me, I, I came into the whole filmmaking, not out of going to film school or anything, but out of being a cause person. I was mm -hmm. I, I was working first with the American Friends Service Committee, a Quake organization making before they had home video, we were making documentaries on slide tape reels where people could play the sound and watch the slide. And, they, and we did a film uh, the automated air war about the uh, uh, the incredible technology that money that was going into making weapons against the uh, you know jungle people of uh, in, in Vietnam and and how uh, anyway it had uh, uh, 1500 uh, pr prints we sold people showed it on tr on trains and gorilla showings on side of movies uh, people would say oh, my slides are worn out send me another set please <laughs> and it had a big impact uh, so you know from an early early from the beginning uh, we felt that uh, 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 film and media were the way to communicate a message, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and I was I was so thrilled to discover uh, what you've talked about so much the hero's journey story structure, and that is uh, uh, you recommend a fabulous book that affected your back background, your films, and mine, and it was called the hero's journey. Uh, when we started out making this film, uh, uh, The World is My Country, about an amazing guy, world citizen number one, Gary Davis, uh, a man who was for 65 years a citizen of no nation, only the entire world. <laughs> when we first started that out, um, we started by doing it the traditional way people do, with interviewing the guests and talking to it. And we would interview Gary, and he would go off on tangents, and he would uh, we really just couldn't get anything useful out of our, our interviews with him. And then I woke up one morning, I said, wait a minute, Gary's an actor, <laughs> let's put him on stage. So I, I broached the idea with him. He loved the idea. He said, I've always wanted to get back on stage. My dream is to go, go back to Broadway. Uh, and of course, to make a, a, a stage production about his own life, you know, was fabulous. So uh, we closeted away there at, at Melanie's house, basically, the, uh, working on it on the script, uh, you know, almost day and night. And uh, the hardest part of it was throwing out everything that didn't fit the hero's journey uh, story arc. Um, it was, uh, you watch the film and you, you see Gary's just talking about his life, but you might not even realize he had a teleprompter there and he's following a, a script we wrote. And the script uh, there, so he has some, some incredible, amazing stories uh, that have to be go somewhere else in a short or something because everything had to fit that hero's journey story arc. 
so I think it would be helpful for for filmmakers maybe if we went uh, a little more into that story arc and a little bit more about uh, uh, the meaning of it because the, the great thing I'll tell you what I think is so important about understanding that story structure it's not only for making films it's for our lives our lives can follow that model and it can help us empower our lives so uh, tell us a little bit more about the hero's journey story structure sure um, would you like me to share my screen with the graphic uh sure sure that'd be great um yeah i mean i think again you you, you referred to it earlier um th there's a couple of books that were very instrumental in in my growth in terms of this this social impact space um one of them was myth in the movies by stuart votilla where where he really talks about the hero's journey and what he does is he breaks down a number of different films that are you know what you would think are just traditional hollywood movies and he literally breaks them down into this structure and i've always been a structure guy i i know some people are great at just coming up with an idea and taking their pen to the page and, and writing but i'm i'm better if i can plot out the structure and what i learned with starting with sid field many years before um and then and then fill and then throwing this this filter on top of the the three act structure just helps you structure even more right because you've got 12 stages and i think if you look at most of the of the successful movies in the history of hollywood um you see that a lot of them frankly go through this journey and what's kind of interesting about it is you notice the top you start with the ordinary world so in traditional, you know, story development, that's you know, kind of establishing the foundation and and who are the characters, and and then there's the call, right? In the first ten minutes, typically there's a call. What is it going to be? What is your goal? And that's something that most writing coaches preach, right? You got to tell people fairly quickly what this is about and what is our what is our hero's quest, and and then what's interesting about this is if you notice is that the arrow goes the goes counterclockwise which I found kind of interesting. Um, so you get the call to adventure and then the refusal of the call, like, do I, can I really do this? Is this impossible? Uh, and then, and then of course there's the mentor character. So again, you look at all these movies, whether it's, you know, it's Yoda, you know, all these movies have, have a mentor that kind of helps the, you know, the wisdom that helps be the guide. And you think of movies like, let me jump in as we're as we're doing this because I think most of the people, many of the people on our podcast have seen our film "The World Is My Country," and it may be helpful as we go through the the steps to actually see where it was in uh, "The World Is My Country." Um, so, of course, you know Gary starts out his ordinary world is one that's pretty extraordinary. He's in a showbiz family, and his mother's this uh, great pianist, and his dad is. Uh, conducting the orchestra for the Republican National Convention, <laughs> and uh, when he's uh, when he's in his ordinary world of showbiz, he goes off to fight in World War II, gung ho yeah. to you know knock out Hitler's war factories, and then uh, something happens. His own brother is killed, yeah, and he suddenly realizes, hey, these people I'm killing, their families just like me, they're feeling that <laughs> yeah. same pain that I'm feeling. Uh, at first, his refusal was a call to call was he said, you know, well, I'm an actor. What can I do? Uh, you know, I can't do anything. I'm just one guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just one guy. Uh, but then he meets a mentor and his first mentor is Amory Reeves, uh, incredible book. And he says, 
uh, it struck me like lightning. He said, suddenly I realized that humanity has already invented a way to eliminate war. Uh, inside countries with one government, we don't fight wars. What about civil wars? Two governments, two, cent two uh, loyalties. But if everyone is in one, if, if the world is our country, as he said in his book, my country is the world, then no wars. So once he had that mentorship, he, he went on this quest. He went on a quest of how to beat the most irrational enemy of all, war itself. Now, what hero takes on conquering war itself? I mean, what could be yeah. a bigger call to adventure than <laughs> how are we going to beat war? Um, and of course, he goes through uh, uh, the tests and allies, and uh, uh, he ends up, uh, uh, you know, having these extraordinary adventures in, in Paris, where he's with Eleanor Roosevelt, all the famous French intellectuals, uh, Camus, Sartre, uh, uh, and so on coming to his cause. Uh, but then after he has this big success, you know, here, here he is, 20,000 people at the velodrome, people chanting his name, and they want him to be the leader. He says, no way, that's not what it's all about. It's about you being the leader. You've all got to do it. And he ends up going through his own uh, dark night of the soul and, uh, you know, ends up uh, leaving show business and uh, working in a metal shop. <laughs> but then the metal shop director turns out to be another mentor. He turns yeah, out to be- Yeah, I was going to say, get another mentor there. <laughs> he turns out to be a guru who, who teaches him uh, some deep meditation uh, techniques and some inner journey work uh, that finally empowers him to take on what he first refused as a call, which was when Eleanor Roosevelt amazingly uh, said four days after his interruption of the UN and his rallying 20,000 people to the velodrome, she said, uh, quote, how much better would it be if Gary would start then and there a worldwide international government? <laughs> Here she was uh, saying the U.N. isn't set up to do that. It's a place to let off steam. You know, go ahead and do it. And of course, Percy just thought she's just ridiculing me. That's impossible. But after going through this journey, he ended up taking that back and going on the road back. Uh, and going through the resurrection and finally at the end, well, creating the, the World Service Authority, putting out passports and then returning with the elixir because there he is at the end of the film back on a showbiz stage. And uh, if you saw the long version of the film, uh, in the end, his own father, who was so outraged uh, when he was at the Republican convention that his son would give up national citizenship, uh, he he actually also became a world citizen and had his world citizen certificate on the wall. So, mm -hmm. so we took Gary through all these stages, and I think that's what made the film have 95% approval rate we've gotten from audiences and the rave reviews because it takes them on a story rather than just preaching to them. Yep, he nailed it. <laughs> so, uh, what advice would you have for? other filmmakers who are working on developing their film as far as how do you take a documentary which you know frequently as you said is talking heads and make it a hero's journey story well i, I think again it comes back to structure and um i think first and foremost you have to you have to know what your goal is for making the film uh that seems obvious but frankly sometimes it surprises filmmakers when i ask them um you know some people read an article and they decide they want to tell the story. Some people read a book. They want to option the rights and adapt it or get life rights. Um, but, you know, is it, is it something that is entertaining entertainment or um, more 
more education through entertainment or is it to to start a movement or is there a specific call to action you know a lot of these movies are made as a wake-up call whether it's like like you reference in your film you know is it leo and 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 climate change you know we're working on a project now about you know the the education system in america and how messed up it is and how teachers don't get the respect they should have it's called i quit um you can visit who taught you.org and learn about that i mean there's there's a mission behind some of these movies and if you have a mission then it only helps you to be using a structure like the hero's journey i believe to make it as entertaining as you can as you're sharing this this social relevancy if you will right but not all these films have a toolkit not all these films have a very specific call to action schindler's list didn't have a call to action um, you know, some of these movies have petitions they want you to sign. Some of them, you know, are, are movies that that are specific to create new law. You know, so it, it I do think it's important for a filmmaker when they start this journey of creating a documentary to to think of what is the goal for that movie. And as you can see from the hundreds of impact campaigns that have been developed over the last five to 10 years, a lot of these impact campaigns are driven by what I'll call a distribution campaign. It doesn't do any good to have a really strong film with a mission if nobody sees it, right? But more people will see it if there's entertainment value. So I think you have to think of structure. How can I structure a movie with a beginning, middle, and end that will keep the audience interested and want to see it and hopefully tell other people to see it? Because the more people that see it, whether there's a call to action or not, the more impact you're going to have. And of course, that's been kind of our biggest challenge. We do have a movie, as we can tell from the, the feedback we've gotten, which has been extraordinary, uh, that does entertain people and it does uh, lift their sights. Uh, but uh, the big challenge has been how to get uh, more eyes on the screen for it. Uh, 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 we recently uh, had a, uh, a collaboration with Rotary where we mm -hmm. uh, had a mega meeting with uh, uh, well over a thousand people signed up. We thought that by collaborating with a big organization like Rotary, we might be able, because you talk about partnerships in your book as being a key way, we might yeah. be able to draw more people uh, to our film as well as assisting Rotary with helping shape there. We, we had the president of Rotary International uh, on our uh, uh, mega meeting and uh, he gave an extraordinary speech, very aligned with the with the vision that Gary's talking about, and also, of course, adding a very important element of of love and how love can uh, touch and change the world. Uh, so talk us to us a little bit more about uh, uh, partnerships as a way of getting a cause film like ours and others distributed more widely. Yeah, well, I think I think you hit it right on the head. I think if you have if you have partners that can help get the word out, you know, studios spend an average of, I don't know what it is now, 30, $50 million to promote a movie. They're essentially buying, buying your eyeballs, like paying for ads to get you to, to become aware of it. And I think with documentary, you have an opportunity in most cases to go to groups and affiliates and partners that can help get the word out. And, and if they're partners that have a, like think of the Sierra club, right millions of members so if you if you create a, a documentary around climate change and you can get the sierra club behind it they'll get the word out and they want to get the word out about something that is helping to to spread their message so i think 
I think, you know, and again, we're working on on different educational partnerships with this documentary I'm working on now, this docu-series. And I think, in fact, you certainly need to find ways to generate um, funding sources, right? You need to have sponsorships, you need to have grants, you need to have investors to get the movie made. But in terms of in terms of marketing, I think having partnerships can be a lot more helpful than just buying ads across different platforms. And and thanks to the internet, you can get really creative now with social media and get the word out without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. So between partnerships and social media, I think you can really create an awareness for your project. And if you're creating awareness, then you're hopefully moving the needle. Well, I think that's uh, that's really uh, uh, a, a very key thing. And you talk a lot about finding your audience. Uh, and, and you mentioned cultural creatives. And I remember uh, uh, that we we with with John Ratz when he put on Ratz when he put on his uh, uh, big festival where he brought all the co- like kind of cause oriented. Yep, I was uh, there. Spiritual creative. You were there. Well, we were there too, and and that was extraordinary. And uh, and and uh, of course. Uh, uh, so tell us a little bit more about that and 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 about the cultural creatives. Well, I just I I think it, it, it's been a while since since John's uh, had that, that Gate, organization yes. it's um, called Gate Gate. Uh, what was the, what did Gate stand for again? Uh, global uh, uh, Global Alliance of some uh, um, transformation transformational entertainment. That there you go. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I was at a couple of those early board meetings. Um, it was a great mission, but. You know, everybody's got lives and 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 bills to pay, and ultimately, I I don't know where it is right now. But I think the idea is, um, everybody everybody's on this earth, and everybody's got to find their purpose and find a way to to contribute to making things better, whether whether it's one skill set or another skill set. And I think with cultural creatives, sometimes what we see is people using their creativity to find ways of tapping into this transformational opportunity right whether it's telling stories whether it's shooting stories with your camera whether it's painting stories but the idea of bringing these creative minds together to leverage their strengths creatively to get messages out there into the world in a, in a way that they want to be received rather than you know just writing and beating people over the head with you know with with books and text, I think, you know, that was part of the the messaging behind the cultural creatives. Absolutely. Well, one of the uh, uh, challenges with our film is that many of the cultural creatives are, of course, looking for personal journeys, how they can transform their own lives and so on. And of course, Gary went through such a transformation with the guru and, and it gave him that empowerment. But in some ways, his his mission is so big uh, you know, basically, he's calling on we the people to create a people-powered planet to rise above these nations that divide us and and save our world from 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 annihilation, from 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 nuclear, from the environment, from uh, AI out of control, from uh, lab-created pandemics out of control, and to instead really uh, rise above that and create an interactive people-powered planet, which is such a big call to action that many people, I guess, feel kind of uh, overwhelmed. Where do I get started with that? Uh, how do we take a big call to action and put it in uh, manageable terms that people can, can get a grip on? 
Yeah, I think it, it, I think that is the single biggest challenge, quite honestly, because a lot of people feel like that is so big. How am I as one person going to make a difference? And I think what what we're seeing with the messaging, and I think Leo does it well in, in his movies. He's made a few climate change movies now. You know, it, it's it's convincing people that that every step you take is is a step towards improving you know whatever that category is whether it's climate change or education or or injustice and and you you can't not take steps forward because you don't think you're going to make a difference and you know part of the challenge with making these films i i did a 65 page slideshow about this it's it's really complicated but you're you you have to balance the idea of preaching to the choir right and telling people that you know will respond because they're they they connect with you and they understand your mission and they're in that space already versus converting people that aren't necessarily in that space and then of course how do you measure it you know food inc was a great example of that right where they made this movie that was essentially about the idea of 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 food and being a vegetarian and they brought all these experts in to talk about how good it is for your health and how good it is for the planet. And what they found in 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 the research and the surveys that they had done is that it did in fact change diets, and that, that a really high percentage of people that saw the film changed their diets. And they admitted that they learned things they didn't know before. And Forks Over Knives ended up doing it years later. And so these movies have proven that they can convert people, right? So you take some of the crowd that is already converted, the choir, as it were, and you bring them in front of people that don't know any better yet, and you bring them some entertainment with some, you know, the spoonful of sugar, right? And and they ultimately take the medicine and enjoy it, and then they realize, oh my God, I I'm I'm different now. I just learned something, and it's and it's changed my life. Hmm. Well, wow, that's terrific. Well, you have a, a also a very important chapter on uh, distribution and how do you uh, uh, how do you start getting your film before the eyes and that uh, and of course you run through many of the uh, traditional means, but you also go into hybrid uh, distribution. Uh, tell us a little bit more about hybrid distribution. Well, hybrid is 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 kind of a loose term these days, but in in the way I describe it is rather than just handing your movie over to a distributor who's going to sell off all rights around the world, whether it's domestic and international, you know, and maybe there's some theatrical and then all the downstream rights that come along with it. We're seeing, we're seeing filmmakers get more creative in one, in one instance of, of essentially carving up their rights. So they might give certain territories to one company to handle, you know, theatrical, and they might give it to another for international and then others to handle non-theatrical whether it's airplane hotels schools the educational outreach so there's they're carving it up so that one company doesn't take control and then sit on it because frankly most of these companies aren't good at everything some are great at booking films into theaters and they understand that space but they're not so good at education or connecting to schools but but they used to just take all rights so now we're seeing them being carved up but i think even more important than the what you say hybrid is what I would call alternative distribution models, which is which is I think very exciting right now because there's a lot of amazing films that that may find traditional distribution as part of the formula. Maybe they'll play theaters, 
but a lot of them are actually creating really unique event screening opportunities, right? Where they might play a thousand theaters across the country on the same day. So you're marketing everybody to come and see that movie at the same time. And if you don't want to see it in a theater, there's a whole virtual element. The Wisdom of Trauma, we did a case study on that. Uh, Peter Broderick really supported this project. And, and I just took a lot of the information, frankly, that it's come out ar around his work with the film. But it's an amazing example where this, this, this Wisdom of Trauma idea of this documentary, they had event screenings that were virtual and you had to you could donate or you could watch it for free but they built up their list and created a whole movement around this idea of trauma and he's created a whole merchandise franchise almost around this movie and forks over knives did it fantastic fun guys doing it now these guys are all finding creative ways of of tapping into new audiences and and earning earning a living while doing it but sharing really important messages to people that wouldn't otherwise know about it. Not traditional distribution, not booking it into theaters across the country. Hmm. Um, well, there's, there's so many things more we could talk about on that. And I want to leave some time for our audience questions, but I do want to uh, uh, focus on two more things. Uh, first, uh, uh, first, tell us just briefly about Habits of Heroes, your other book, uh, and a uh, hundred movies that will change your life. <laughs> Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. So, so with this idea was, it was really me just saying, you know what? I realized that there were so many movies that ha had been made over the years. And, and almost to your point earlier about the idea that, that almost every movie has a message of some kind, whether they're beating you over the head with it. And, and I realized that if I did enough digging, I could probably come up with a hundred titles that, had some social relevance of some kind. And it could be something as obvious as as Schindler's List to something like Life is Beautiful um, to, to An Inconvenient Truth. So some of them are really obvious. But what I did with that was try and bring light to these movies that maybe people didn't necessarily think about in terms of their social impact or what or what message might be there. And so maybe some people hadn't heard about it yet, or somebody had seen a movie 20 years ago, but didn't realize kind of the underlying message of the movie. So I thought Habits of Heroes was was a way to kind of bring awareness to these films. And, and I talk about a little fun fact that some people didn't know. And I talk about like, you know, the goal for the film and the message. So it's 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 not as comprehensive or, um, you know, the, the, the filmmaking for change as a methodology, but it's it's kind of a, a a recommendation engine, if you will, for a hundred titles. That's terrific. <laughs> well, then uh, tell us a little more about how can cause pictures and cause cinema uh, help the distribution of films like ours, help get more eyes on the screen. Well, I think it it's it starts again with 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 the goals of the filmmaker and what they're trying to achieve, and you know, what What type of distribution model makes sense for their particular project. Again, some of these movies are going to play, you know, Forks Over Knives played, I don't know, 80 markets before it went to Netflix. You know, some of these movies are going to play theaters. A lot of them are going to go straight to to streaming. But I would say that, you know, there's, depending on who you ask, there's, there's over 500 streaming channels now. And you don't have to be on Netflix, Hulu, or HBO to find an audience. A lot of people don't know about Tubi and Zumo. These are 
these are huge companies that were acquired by the conglomerates and the majors that have you know millions of eyeballs across the country but the average joe here in in la where i'm based doesn't necessarily know about zumo so i i think that there's there are sales agents that take films a lot of these movies coming through the film festival circuit they'll help these movies find a home and in some cases these movies will be distributed and sub-distributed to a lot of different non-exclusive platforms, whether it's iTunes or Amazon or um, Google Play and a bunch of others, Hoopla, Canopy. There's so many different platforms now, but there's also aggregation opportunities where companies will, you pay them a fee and they'll get the movie up on these platforms for you. So I, I think there's, in fact, there's more distribution opportunities than ever before for, for these films. I think the trick is coming up with a creative marketing strategy and finding, as you said before, the partnerships that help you get the word out. Cause it doesn't do any good. If you get your movie on iTunes, that's great. You can tell mom and dad you're on iTunes. If you can't get the word out to the, to the <laughs> masses and the people to come and see it, then what good is it going to do? Right. Yeah. Excellently put. Well, and you mentioned that, uh, uh, the sales agents, uh, and in your book, you talk about <clears throat> bottom feeder sales agents. And we did have a bottom feeder who wanted to distribute <laughs> our film, and we had to say no thanks to that. But we, 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 we did some testing on our own, like in South Africa, we partnered with some local activists there, and we had a broadcast on television in South Africa and had, you know, excellent responses. But, uh, what we what we realized is that we couldn't begin to start bicycling that out around the world. We realized how much time it took us to take to get one broadcast and working with local people. We realized we do need uh, a a sales agent. Uh, how would you suggest that a film like ours uh, uh, get a good sales agent? Because I think ours has we found that it has even more international appeal. I mean, people were even more excited about it in other countries where they are much more aware of the problem of borders and how it blocks their lives and how it squeezes their lives and that of the need for a world that can move beyond borders. Uh, how, how would you say we could uh, get sales agents to begin to get a global distribution of a film like ours? Well, there, there are a number of platforms now that, that are, are, are essentially places for buying and selling of movies. So if you don't have a budget to, you know, take it into, into Berlin or Cannes or one of these major international marketplaces, you can, you can do it online. But uh, I would say a good place to start is with the American Film Market Association, the AFMA. They've got a website that's got lists of all the exhibitors across the country. And many of those sales agents actually can place movies in a number of different categories, whether it's selling to theatrical players like, you know, Sony Pictures Classics or Focus or, or international sub-distributors that are taking movies into streaming platforms and even theaters in international um, regions. But I think that's a good place to start. And, and there's a number of great um, sales agents that, that work in, in the independent film space that can help get these movies out to these different companies. Uh, there's a company called Giant Pictures, for example, that is doing great things with, with distributors, uh, Blood, Sweat, Honey, Circus Road. There's a bunch of sales agents that's that's their job, really, just to go to these buyers, domestic and international, and try and find a home for these films. It's really hard for an independent filmmaker to go right to a streaming platform, right? They They want to work with these companies that can bring them packages in volume. And, right. and you just got to be careful 
with, you know, with the fine print in those contracts when they try and tie you up for 15 years and don't tell you how much they're going to spend on marketing. And then they send you these reports that, that look like, talk about creative accounting. You don't know how you ever see a dime. Absolutely. And we learn that over and over again in a in a, a wonderful course we've actually been uh, been doing. Have you spoken to Show and Tell or uh, been on that at all? I have not been part of that. Uh, maybe I'll introduce you to them. I think they would love to have you as a, a speaker on Show and Tell as well. Uh, it's a group of filmmakers all over the the world learning uh learning some incredible uh opportunities in hybrid and all that so yeah that'd uh, be of course, wonderful. Peter, Broder Peter Broderick and all those people are also involved with it so that's uh, great yeah I'm a huge fan of Peter's known yeah, him for yeah. a long time I want to leave a little time now for questions. Melanie, take it. Oh, oh, just first, just thank you. You've been an extraordinary mm -hmm. guest. We just love having you. And I'm going to turn it over to Melanie now for the Q&A period. Our producer, Melanie Bennett. Thank you. Thank you, Arthur and you, John. Arthur. Oh my gosh, your knowledge is incredible. And this is such important information. And we appreciate so much your time here. I know you have to leave right at the hour. So we'll just slip in a couple of questions. I just wanted to add really quickly this new thing about, for example, Martin Sheen and his son have brought up the movie The Way again, just like, oh, it's yeah. a new movie. And I love, and we're being taught also with show and tell, don't put the, the, date, the date of your film. Right. They films can make it evergreen make it evergreen and so that that was exciting to me to see that oh yeah this great movie the way and i'm like wait 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 so i love that um i just wanted just to see if anything comes up to you and not, if nothing does i'll cut this out but um we, uh, as Arthur said, we well, we've done. We know the choir, you know, for our film, which is peace and and environment and and saving the planet and things like that. So we have ideas of places and uh, uh, companies we can go to to partner with. But do you have any ideas of uh, a target audience that we can convert? people that would like actually see this movie because it's really something you have to absorb. It's a movie that you, you know, maybe have to see a few times to really understand maybe if you're not familiar with world citizenship and, and world citizen government and things like that. Do you have in your mind any idea that just comes to you of a target audience that we can convert that would, that might, we might not have thought of if you don't, it's fine. Well, I think to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's almost less about the audience. It's more about how do you find partners that are kind of what I would call almost a portal that can help you get the word out to more partners that can then get the word out to more audiences? And so I'll give you two names that I think would be helpful. One is um, SIE Society, Social Impact Entertainment Society, terrific group of people doing amazing things. And they've got, and it's free to join, and they've got tons of categories and resources where you can research all the partnership opportunities, investor opportunities, and and just people that can help get the word out, and companies that can help get the word out, and there that that is the space, right? You have a, a social impact film, and that's what they're all about. The other is um, the Impact Hub and uh, Julie Davitz, and she's done amazing things and creating really cool modular um, activations, if you will, where if somebody sees a movie instead of having to go and research and figure out where to go and what to do and how to learn where to take action, their website and their buttons and their links takes you to wherever you need to go, whether it's sign this or attend this or invest in this. And, and she's created this, this impact hub 
that's wonderful. And you can see it on a lot of films now. So when you finish watching a movie, especially if you're streaming it, you're, you're, you're given this prompt and this button to visit this, this impact hub where you can learn everything on one page. And it, again, it's like a portal taking you out where you need to go to learn more and, and take action. Those are two companies I think could be really helpful. Wow. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Great information. We'll go, definitely do that. Um, we have time for just two questions. We are going to uh, a filmmaker already. Isla has made a film about a civil rights activist and has a question. Isla, go ahead with your question. I had created a documentary on Reverend Robert Seymour, who was the pastor for Dean Smith, who um, gave him the church assignment to recruit the first African-American basketball player, Charlie Scott, as well as many other, um, you know, he had a lot of influence in Chapel Hill for many years, decades, actually. So I made a, a movie about him and I can't share it or I can't charge to view it because of some news clips that, you know, have copyright issues. And I just want to know what your recommendation would be. It's a compelling film. I've heard many people just absolutely love it. I want to share it, but I also want to be able to gain something from it. Not profit, but I do feel like I need some reward for the work that I've done. There are platforms that you can go to where, and, and there's and there's tools that you can use if you wanted to have Vimeo hosted on your own site where they can make a donation. I think Wisdom of Trauma is a good example where you can you can watch the movie and make a donation. Um, so it's not it's not paying for it necessarily. It's a, it goes into a different tax bracket. Um, there's also a company called filmocracy.com. You could check them out. Um, they are a, a, an SVOD platform, subscription video on demand, uh, have a great audience. And uh, the revenue stream is a little, a little more creative than like a TVOD play, right? Where you're paying three or 4.99. And you know that sounds like something that's not an option for you. So I think finding an SVOD platform um, where money isn't really the thing or hosting it via Vimeo on your own website with a donation option would probably let you stay out of trouble. Um, we have Michael, who's a budding uh, filmmaker. Michael, go ahead <laughs> with your question. Hi, uh, John. Thank you so much. Uh, this is really exciting for me. Uh, I've been working with uh, Arthur and David Gallup and looking at taking the World Citizen Passport. I don't know if you've seen actual one yet. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, and convert, you know, it's been around 70 years. Wow. And uh, so it's a, it's really powerful as an identity document. And what David Gallup does in DC is he sends these identity documents and there's several other types too, to refugees around the world who have, who have no identity at all. And there's actually a billion people in the world with no identity documents. So it's a, it's a huge addressable market that needs a lot of help. So what we wanna do is take that, our project is worldcitizen.one take this, this physical passport and create a digital identity on a form of advanced blockchain so the identities can be sent out much much faster and, and scale it much quicker without having to deal with the physical document which also can be lost so the idea of a permanent identity online mm -hmm. is very powerful yeah and then uh, as long as you have access to to the internet you could have an identity to prove who you are and Estonia is one country that's kind of gone on that path and digitized citizens' identities. So my question is, I kind of had a, the idea of doing a documentary of charting our 
startup company journey, like, you know, we're interviewing investors or we're meeting with investors or the user experience designers or how are we going to design? Because the ultimate goal is to create a, an alternative to Facebook. Uh, David works closely with an organization in D.C. called Citizens for Global Solutions, a hub for civil society where you would have the, all the functionality of a social network, but it's only about solutions and what can you bring, what can you learn, and what can you share with your talents, and how can you bring you know solutions to the world. So that's the ultimate goal. So uh, the idea to do a documentary charting this, you know, what would be a good point of view? Would it be like I'm a startup founder, and this is our goal, and this is what we want to do, and kind of build out a story from there, uh, but or maybe just do it tell the story just outline i the think that the, you know the the trick with these kinds of projects is to decide um first of all what your goal is for the project if it's to get word out and get people to to sign up and be able to access this this new technology that you're talking about this new this new platform the digital the digital passport i guess um and yes. is it something that you know, are, is it going to take you a year? Is it going to take you two? Or is it going to take you 10, right? It took Hoop Dreams 10 years. <laughs> so you have to think about how, what's the what's the roadmap based on the time frame that I'm looking at. And then it's, is it something you're going to document? You want people to follow you along on that journey for like a docu-series? Is it episodic or is it is it is it a feature? Right. Um, and, and set up a timeline and then reverse engineer it from there. Um, I'm sure these guys can give you my email address. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say it out loud here on this podcast, but um, they can put you in touch with me. I'd be happy to 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 hear a little bit more and and could give you some advice on on next steps. But I know we only have a few minutes, so might be best uh, you have my permission to, sure. to give him my email, reach out to me, and uh, I can help you break some of that down. Thank you. I love what you said about structure, because for me, it's like, I got to have structure to work. In, yeah. Otherwise, I've, I've go down a million rabbit holes and never get anywhere. Yeah. Thank well, you, you can you can find me through cause causepictures.com. Thank you. All right. Will do. Cool. Thank you so much, Michael. So uh, now we are, our time is short. We're going to go back to Arthur for the close. Let me just say, John, um, we so appreciate you. We so appreciate you being here, your knowledge, um, spending time with us. And we know you're very busy. You're in the middle of a festival right now. So thank you. Thank you again. And back to Arthur. Arthur, take away. Well, thank you so much for an extraordinary opportunity to chat with you. Uh, we do uh, want everyone to come back next week for our club social, where we can talk more about the things that uh, John's been telling us about and talk more about our individual films and, uh, and, and discuss what we've learned from this and share. So uh, everyone's welcome to come back same time next week and every week. And following that, we have Marja Groff, who uh, is actually an expert on how we can create a better way to run our world. It was she was recognized as that by being one of the winners of the Global Challenge Foundation, a Swedish foundation that put out a multi-million dollar award for the best, better ideas on how we could run this this, this world so we don't uh, uh, so we don't become extinct. Uh, and she, as one of the winners, she's going to be telling us an international uh, lawyer and an author who's going to be helping us talk about how do, how do we build the kind of thing we're talking about here, a people-powered planet that rises up above the nations that divide us and brings us together as a planet. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, do you want, Sean, one last word to uh, tell us about your websites and places people can go to follow up with you? Sure. Well, I'll just say uh, 
first and foremost, thanks for for all the great work you guys are doing to you know share these important ideas on on social impact filmmaking. Um, obviously, I believe, as it sounds like you do as well, that that film and media is probably the most valuable tool we have in terms of mass communication. So let's use it. Um, so thank you for that. And then in terms of people just kind of keeping up with what I'm up to, um, causepictures.com is probably the best place to start. And from there, it can take you to Cause Cinema and all the other podcasts that I do, Cause Changes for the Impact Campaigns, uh, the links to Substack, you can sign up for free. So there's a lot of options there, but I think causepictures.com is probably the best place to start. All right, everybody go to causepictures.com. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us. And we will see you again next week and every week on the People Powered Planet podcast. World citizen, lift up your voices. Oh, you know we got something to say. All we need is the same directions, heading in one way. One way.